This is going to be rather difficult this morning, guys. Our mics broke this morning and all kinds of craziness. Stand by. All right, I'm going to see how this works because I like to talk with my hands too, so I don't know how, I don't know how to hold mics and speak at the same time. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jeremy Sparks. I was the one that was yelling and screaming up here in the front row. And, um, that's me. That's who I am. Um, I love Jesus with every bit of my being. And I, um, he often, he oftentimes breaks me down to, to, uh, to nothing. Or I realize just how much I need him. And, and he's doing that pretty hardcore this morning. So um, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that because I need to, to be humbled. I need to be, uh, be shown that I'm, uh, I'm not, in and of myself, I'm not enough, right? And, um, and I'm, just, I'm just really thankful that, that for what he's doing in my life right now, how he's showing me more and more about who he is. You know, the, the, the more you follow Jesus, the more you grow in him, the more you give yourself to him, the more you find yourself coming to a place where like, man, I'm getting this thing pretty good just to be slammed in the face again, to, to be shown that you have no idea. You have no idea what it means to be fully surrendered, right? And we will never know that until we meet him face to face. And I, But I'm on a journey to get there. I hope one day uh, um, to meet him and him say, and you did a, you did a pretty good job at, at it, Jeremy. <laughs> That's my hope. That's my desire. Um, so we've been in a series called Necessary Sins. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of different things, but um, the, the idea behind this series is that there are, there are big sins um, in the world that all of us would, would say that we're not supposed to partake in those things, right? Uh, murder, right? Um, so many different ones, right? We're, we're not supposed to kill people, right? I'll just use that one for the, the example. Um, that's, it'd be a good thing to stay away from that one. But there's other things in, in life and throughout Scripture that tend to get just kind of swept under the rug sometimes, right? As we follow Jesus. And, and it's like, oh, um, lying. Oh, I can just tell a little white lie. Nobody will ever know that and everything will be good, right? Um, uh, gossip was another one that we've covered. I can, I can talk about people as long as I'm doing it in a loving way. And I talked about in that sermon, if you, if you sandwich it between a loving sandwich you know what I mean? Like you say, I really love this guy, but he said this, but he's, he's trying really hard. You know, sometimes that's what we do with gossip, and it's just as wrong. We're not supposed to talk about people, right? If we're talking about them, it should be something that we would say to them in front of them and not something that we, and, and not in a way of, yeah, I'd say that to his face too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that you would lovingly approach them, right? And then lust was one that Mowgli um, did a very good job with. Uh, last week, and then now I'm I'm on anger today, and some of these things are just, um, I mean, if I'm honest, I've, I struggle with every one of these things, right? Every one of them on this list is something that I have to fight for, I have to fight not to let them overtake my life, and throughout this whole series, we've been reciting this verse together, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, so we're going to do that before we jump in. You'll see it on the screen. It says... Y'all follow my lead. You ready? Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts. Hold on. Am I reading the right version? Let me look at the screen. Let's start over. Are you ready? We're going to start with search me again because that was terrible. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer this morning and throughout this whole series is that you would search us, that you would know our heart, that you would know our thoughts, that you would uh, see us and help us to combat the sin that is in our life. These things are not something that we should just take lightly. God, we know that your grace and your mercy is new every day, and we're so thankful for that because we need it. But God, our desire is to be made whole. Our desire is to be made pure. Our desire is for our thoughts and everything in us to be uh, holy and pleasing to you. That is our desire as Christians. And, and we all know sitting in this room that it, that it is a difficult task. And you know that or you wouldn't have sent your son to die for us. And we're thankful for that, God. But let us not use that as an excuse not to search out holiness. Not to allow you to break us and humble us and make us new day in and day out. Lord, we love you and we ask that you would move, that your word would speak loudly. And that my words would be uh, less and yours would be more. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. All right. So anger. Anger is uh, one of these things that, you know, it's, re it's really difficult. It's really diff anger is one of these things that is really, really difficult to process through. Because every one of us know in this room that once something goes off in you, it's very hard to stop that from um, continuing on, right? And, and becoming something way worse than it is. What you need to understand about anger is that anger in and of itself is not a sin, right? And I need you to understand that anger in and of itself is not a sin. It's what we do when anger comes up and wells up inside of us. It's our reaction to the feelings that we have, right? Let me explain it if you don't understand that completely. I'm going to read you Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And I'll read, read it off the screen um, since I'm not sure if we got the, if I sent them the right version. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And don't sin by letting anger, what? Control you. In your anger, do not sin. Right? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Interesting thing about that word foothold is topos is the, the Greek word for that. It's opportunity or room is what that is translated um, to foothold and do not give the devil the opportunity how do you give the devil the opportunity by letting anger what control you that's what I'm talking about whenever I say anger in and of itself is not sin it's what it does to you and how you react to the emotions that are in your soul right let me give you another example in Genesis 4 6 and 7 this is the story of Cain and Abel all of you know this, Cain and Abel were brothers, right? Um, and 
they gave offerings. One was accepted, one was not. And Cain um, is approached by the Lord here. And he says this, why are you so angry, the Lord asked. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to what? But you must subdue it and be its master. So the Lord looks at Cain in this moment and he says, Why are you so angry? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, so he's saying you have an option here, Cain. If you do what is right, if you, uh, if you uh, will take the step and find control over what you are experiencing, this anger that you have in you, you will be accepted. But if you don't do what is right, what is going on? Sin is crouching at your door. And it desires what? To have you. It desires to have you. It desires to control you. And that's when it gets a little bit sketchy whenever it begins to control you. There's two ways that anger often expresses itself, right? There's those that, um, that express their anger as soon as it comes out. Right? As, soon as, the, as soon as you get angry, you just express it. And you begin to spew venom at people. Any, any spewers in here? Alright, alright, very good. I like the honesty. I like it. Proverbs 29.11 says this, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Whenever anger comes up inside of you and it wells up inside of you and you just act immediately on it, the book of Proverbs says that we do foolish things whenever we act that way, right? And what we need to understand is that whenever we just begin to spew things out of our heart and out of our soul, whenever that anger comes up inside of us, that there is collateral damage going on all around us. Right? We are hurting people, we are hurting ourselves, because then we're going we're gonna to find it in and of ourselves one day. If we are truly following Jesus, at some point you're going to figure out that what you did was wrong and it's going to hurt really badly whenever you figure that out. And it's, it's going to depend on how open and honest you are with yourself and how willing you are to surrender yourself fully to the Lord whether or not you heal completely from whatever you spew at people. And whether or not there is healing that can actually take place from those caught in the collateral damage. We talked about a little bit about that during the gossip session as well. right? God calls us ultimately to have self-control. right? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's actually just fruit of the Spirit. So I don't... I didn't want to, all you Bible nerds out there, you are going to say, Hey, you said fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. I'm glad some of you are laughing. I like, I like laughter. God calls us to have self-control. And if we're not practicing self-control, we're not following Jesus. If we're not trying to be more controlling of our emotions and of ourself, we're not following Jesus with all of our heart. It's just a sad, hurtful, humbling reality. Right? So you have the spewers who just spew it out. Then you have the stewers. Right? 
they suppress their anger. So I'm assuming that all of you that didn't raise your hand for spewers, you are a stewer. Right? You just let it marinate in your soul. That's what I do. All right, all right, I see some hands going up. I like it. The rest of you, you need to figure out which one you are because you are one of these two, right? You don't need to walk out of here. You don't need to walk out of here not knowing where you stand with this anger issue. We suppress our anger, right? Psalm 32.3 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. And in Luke 15, verse 28, you have the prodigal son who has, uh, came and asked for his inheritance, right? He came and he said, God, or Father, why don't you give us uh, what is ours, me and my brother, right? And, and he, his father split it up, gave him what was his, and he takes off. And he goes on this partying journey, right? And the, the Bible says that he, he wastes away everything that he has. And he finds himself in a, in a famine and doesn't have anything left to show for what his father gave him. And he finds himself sitting there going, thinking to himself, man, my father's servants have more than I have right now. I think I'm going to go home and tell my father that I made a mistake. That I, need to, that I need to just be a servant of his so that I can have something to eat. So that I can have food to nourish my body. And you find him... Um, coming home and the father what he does when he, whenever he sees him anybody know he sees him coming through the distance and what does he do he starts running after him right he says I'm going after him I'm going to get him and he wraps him in a robe and he calls and he says give me the, the ring we put the ring on his finger and it's a beautiful story of all of our hearts right because we're all that prodigal son we're all that that son that takes what the father has given us and we've run away and we've done what we wanted to it we squandered it away and then we come back and he rescues us, right? But one of the people that we don't really look at oftentimes in this story is the brother that stayed at home and he did what he was supposed to do, right? He got his inheritance and he stayed home and he was responsible with his money and his belongings. And in Luke 15, 28, it says this. Luke 15, 28 is this older brother's or this other brother's words. Might not be on there. It says that the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. Right? They had fattened up this calf and they had butchered it, sacrificed it. Butchered probably wasn't a good word. <laughs> they, they had made a meal out of it, right? And they, um, they invited everybody in for this party and this celebration and... The, the brother, the other brother becomes angry and he doesn't go in. And why do I tell you that story? Is because he was the one that was suppressing his anger, right? Because it's oftentimes what we do whenever we don't, if we suppress things, we just don't partake in things and we can't celebrate with other people and we can't partake in things that are going on around us because we've suppressed it and we see what's going on in front of us and we're like, no, I am angry angry, angry, and I am not going to partake in the celebration that's going on with my brother for coming back and being welcomed in uh, back into the family. And he began to suppress his anger. And as, as expressors have fights, so do suppressors. So as expressors have fights going on externally, right, 
with the things going on. So do suppressors, but their fight is going on internally, right? Their fight is going on inside of their heart and inside of their own mind, and they sit around and they stew on it, and it's just welling up inside of them. It's just welling up inside of them, and it makes you feel like you have control. It makes you feel have, like you have self-control over the things that are going on, but there's two things that will happen to suppressors. It will mess you up internally. It will cause mass chaos deep inside of your soul internally, deep inside of your mind internally. And it will hurt you first. And then at some point it will come out. Sooner or later it will come out. That's the second thing that happens to suppressors. And not only does it hurt you because you've been stewing on it internally for so long and your heart and your mind and your soul is in complete chaos and you've been going on this, this journey in your mind and playing these games in your heart, right, of all the things that you would do, all the things that you could do. It's hurting you, but then when it comes out and you begin to try to deal with it, it begins to hurt other people because it usually still doesn't come out the right way. Because you haven't focused on how to do this well. And you've suppressed all of this anger. Right? So it's my prayer today to give you a, a couple more things as I end today. It's my prayer that, that we learn how to uh, act peacefully and not with rage. That we ask ourselves the question, what do we do with our anger? There's 15 times throughout scripture that... that the, the scripture uses fire to describe anger. The, the, the word fire is used to describe anger. The interesting thing about fire as a fireman, right? That's what I do on my job. Is that like, and, and we can see it in everyday life. Is that it's both productive and destructive. Right? Fire can be both productive and destructive. Because if you live in Alaska or if you live in the mountains and you don't have heat and you want to stay warm, then you build a fire. It's productive in that way. If you need to cook, right, and you, and you choose to live that way, then you need fire in order to cook. It's productive in that way. But it's also destructive as I see constantly in my life, as I see it rip and tear through people's homes and destroy everything that they have. It's both productive and destructive. And we have to begin to understand how to combat these two things, the productive and the destructive. Allow the productive piece to encourage us, strengthen us, strengthen us, and equip us to walk humbly before God, right? To light the fire underneath us, so to speak, right? But we also have to learn how to not let the destructive part ruin our life. So for the sinful anger, the destructive peace, the sinful anger, we have to put it out. We have to put that fire out. That is my job as I ride on a fire engine and the call comes through. It is my job to jump in that seat, go to the fire, and put it out and keep it from destroying people's homes, their lives, all of their possessions, and all of the things that they have. That is my job. So this thing rings real true in my heart and in my mind. You have to find a way to put it out. How do you do that? You have to find the ability to control yourself. Right? Proverbs 17, 14 says, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. 
So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. On our coastline, there's going to be a lot of dams. It's going to feel like being breached come the first part of this week. From Florida all the way up, right? And can you imagine, just picture in your mind the waters that are overflowing into the shore. 25 plus inches, 25 plus inches more of rainfall, not counting the storm surge that will be pounding the coastline. And the, the, the amount of water that will be coming on to the shores. Just imagine that for a second. That if, if you start a quarrel, it's like breaching a dam. It's like that water flooding in. Scripture says that we should drop the matter before it breaks out. Right? It's not just the way that you are. That is a lie from the enemy. You need to understand that today. That it's not just the way that you are. It's not the way that you were made and everything's okay, so I just have to allow this process to run through and I just spew and then find forgiveness and continue to spew and find forgiveness and continue to spew. The, the book of Romans says this. It says that, that the, the blood of Christ was shed so that you and I, so that our sin would be covered, right? That grace comes into our life so that we can learn from our mistakes, not so that we can continue to do the same thing over and over again. Yes, the reality is you and I will sin and we will do the same thing over and over again. But the hope of the scriptures, the, the purpose of Jesus Christ coming and his Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us is for us to overcome sin, not just have to deal with it while we're here. Right? It is the hope of Christ in every one of us that calls Jesus Christ our Savior. Sin can be defeated. It has already been, and it is being defeated. That's the beautiful thing about God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. It covers past, present, and future. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You do have the ability to control it. You know what the ability to control it is? The Holy Spirit that lives inside of your life. you got to submit to it. That's only a choice that you can make. Nobody else can do that for you. You have to submit to that. Right? James 1, 19 and 20 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we are slow to anger, we become like God. Right? Let me read that again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we are slow to anger, we become like God. Like God like we are creator? No. Like God in the righteousness that he desires for us. That's only available through his son, Jesus. That's what he came to do for us, right? That is the plan set forth through Jesus Christ. So we have to put out sinful anger. How about sanctified anger? Let's touch on that one and then we'll be done. Sanctified anger. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. With sanctified anger, we need to understand that that is built into us for us to seek obedience. There are things that the Lord makes us angry about righteously. 
There are. If you walk with God for any amount of time, he will call you to do something. He will set a burden on your heart. You will look out in the world and you will see sin and you will see brokenness. And the Lord will fan a flame underneath you because of the anger that is welling up in your soul towards that issue. And that is called righteous anger. Sanctified anger. You take something that bothers you and you give it oxygen. Right? You breathe on it. That's how fire grows. Right? You get it a little, little flame, you get a little ember, and you fan it. And it grows into something that you begin to walk out in your life because God has called you to that. In Mark 3, Jesus is being kind of um, challenged about, about working on the Sabbath day. And Jesus looked around, and, and as he... As he is being challenged by this and and, and questioned about this working on the Sabbath day, this is what the scripture says. It says, Jesus looked around at them in what? Anger. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So basically what was going on is they were challenging Jesus for operating and healing on the Sabbath day. You weren't supposed to do that, right? They were challenging him and Jesus, and, and just bantering him about it. And Jesus looks around, he looks around, and he looked at them in anger. And he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And what did he do? He fanned that flame of anger, didn't he? Because he was burdened deep down in his soul because they didn't truly understand what Jesus was there to do. They didn't truly understand that the meaning of the law was quite different than they thought it was supposed to be. Right? The meaning of the law was Jesus was coming to turn upside down and say, I am the fulfillment of the law and you need to understand that I'm coming and I'm making changes and that the kingdom of God is at hand and you need to follow me and trust me. They didn't understand that. So he looked and he fanned the flame. He was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said, stretch out your hand. And he healed it. Completely restored it, it says. Righteous anger leads to action. So you don't need to mistake anger all the time as a bad thing. Right? There are things that disturb our soul in a deep way that are supposed to do that. And the Lord puts those things in our life so that we can fan the flame and we can walk out in obedience what he has called us to do, right? Righteous anger leads to action. God burdens our heart. There's this issue of foster care. John painted a beautiful picture of it, right? Some of us in this room are partaking in that, right? Some of us are not called per se to take kids into your home, and that is completely fine. I need you to understand that, right? But there are people that see the issue in foster care and adoption and see the amount of kids that don't have a place to lay their head or don't have a, a father or a mother figure in their life to kiss their forehead and say prayers with them at night and give them a nice place to live and, and feed them day in and day out. There are some of you in this room, God will place a burden on your soul to figure out a way to deal with that and he will fan the flame of anger that wells up inside of you because you understand that there's an issue that you need to step into, right? He will. He will. Foster care is one of those things. How about in debt? Indebtedness, right? For some of you in this room, you are living paycheck to paycheck. You are trying to figure out how you're going to make ends meet. 
sometimes that's me. I'll confess that to you guys, right? Sometimes I, I look at my paycheck and go, man, why did I even work this week? I do, right? But the reality is, is that we don't have to be a slave to our money. The scripture says that we don't have to be a slave to our money. So we need to get angry about the debt that we have and we need to do away with it so that we can live freely with what God has blessed us with. You understand where I'm going here? There are things that, that, that make us angry that we should partake in, right? We should allow that, that oxygen to that fire and let it light a fire underneath us. And we ne- none of us want that fire to get too close to this part, do we? We're going we're gonna to move forward. We're going to start walking. Right? Some of us need that fan flame behind us so that we can walk out what God has called us to. Marriage. Man, if there's one thing in my life that I want to be good, it is my marriage. It is. Some of us need a fan flamed on our marriage. Some of us need to get over ourselves and realize that marriage is not about me. That marriage is about my spouse. Some of you need to get over your selfishness and realize that your spouse is not your enemy. That the enemy is trying to tear you and your spouse apart. Right? Some people in this room, including myself at times, need the fan flame or need to give oxygen to that fan. This looks weird. Give oxygen to that flame to do something about my marriage. It's a reality. It's an anger that is righteous and it's sanctified. And the Lord has put that in you and he's given us that emotion so that we will walk out what we were supposed to walk out. The good news is this. We deserve God's anger. But he didn't give us his rage, did he? He didn't spew out all over top of us all of his anger, all of his frustration, all of the things that we did wrong. He didn't give us the rage. He gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus Christ, like we said and saying earlier, who is the name above every other name. That one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of lords and he is the King of kings. He gave us grace and he gave us mercy. And the reality is is that we have to offer that to the world that we live in most of the time. Right? How do I keep from spewing and how do I keep from stewing? Right? You got to find self-control and you got to realize that grace and mercy were given to you. Therefore, it is yours to give to other people. Right? There are other people in this world that are going through things that whenever they do something against you or do something that makes you mad and whenever you feel like giving them the the pointer finger whenever you're going down the road and they pull over in front of you, right? That you need to realize that there's probably, there might be something deeper going on inside of them that you could offer them a little bit of grace and a little bit of mercy this day and show them the love of Christ. Whether they ever know that or not, you know in your soul that you are doing the right thing, right? The result of Jesus Christ coming and giving us grace and mercy is that we are given life and we are given purpose again. Right? Ben, you can come on up. We are called to be 
this type of person in the lost and broken world that we live in. I don't know where you are with anger. I don't know where you are with dealing with the sin of your life, whether it be lust, lying, gossip, or anger, these necessary sins, things that we just oftentimes sweep under the rug and say, everybody deals with them, they're all right. We just have to continue to do what we do, and, and I'm made that way. Uh, it's just a struggle that I'll always have to deal with. I want you to hear me say this to you this morning. It is a struggle that you probably will deal with for many years to come, right? It, it probably is. And I want to be honest with you in that. But do you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to be able to overcome that sin? Whatever it is, whatever it is that you struggle with, he didn't just come down on a cross so that we would fly off one day. He came and he died on a cross heaven heaven is 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 an extra right it is where we will go it is our eternity right but he came and he says that when he sent Jesus Christ and he's he announced his kingdom on this earth he says the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe walk according to the truth that I am telling you understand that sin is something that can die in your life you need to know that. You need to understand that. That we miss the mark, which is what sin is. We miss the mark, but Jesus came and he set us back on the path. And he says, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just follow me, if you'll continually surrender to me, if you will continually wake up each day and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Walk with me today. Humble me. Help me see you in everything that I do. He will walk with you. He will go before you. He will be the one that you will always be able to lean on. You will always be able to trust. And the grace and the mercy that he offers is an extra bonus. Because whenever you fall, you can be that prodigal son that turns around and runs back. Right? It's a win-win. You cannot go wrong with the blood of Jesus Christ. Guys, I, I just want to, I'm going to confess one more thing to you real quick because I've been having a really, this has probably quite possibly been one of the most difficult seasons of my life the past six, eight weeks. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things going on in my mind. There's a lot of lies being stirred around in my heart and in my mind. There's spiritual warfare like I haven't experienced in a long time. The enemy is, is, is crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have me. And I get that. I desire that. All right, it desires me. I desire f for not that. Right? I'm just having a really... I've just come to this conclusion in my life that there are so many things going on in my life. There are so many things going on in my mind and in my heart that I have got to realize. Like, I, I have been more, I'm not really an angry person. Like, anger is not something that I've ever struggled with. But my, my fuse has been about this short with my wife 
and with my kids. And this, this sermon, it's just hitting home with, like, the whole time I'm studying for it this week, I'm like, man, like, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at this. But there's just so many things in my heart and in my mind and in my soul that are keeping me from just seeking the face of Jesus. It's trying to stop me from just seeking the face of Jesus. And as I, as I was cutting my grass yesterday, I had the songs that we're singing in here this morning in my earbuds, and I was riding around in the lawnmower, and I found myself, like, realizing that my kids and my wife are the most prized possession that I have. They are the, they are the number one thing in my life. And there is not going to be anything in this world that takes that from me. There's not going to be busyness. There's not going to be an amount of stress. There's not going to be anger. There's not going to be sin. There's not going to be anything in this world that takes that from me. And I was riding around on my lawnmower and I found myself cutting grass, mashed in the brake, just bawling like a baby with this song blaring in my ears. And I opened my eyes as I had that 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 thought that I just tell you that that I just told you that there's nothing going to take them from me and as I opened my eyes when I got done worshiping sitting out in the middle of my yard if anybody rode by they probably thought I was a psychopathic maniac but I was I mean I was yelling I threw that baby in neutral one time and I was standing up just praising the Lord on my lawnmower in my front yard right and and as I opened my eyes I, I made it around back this time when I had stopped my lawnmower and was worshiping and I was sitting right by the, the carport where my wife parks her car whenever she comes in. And they weren't home at the time, but I was sitting there just bawling like a little baby, crying, and I opened my eyes, and my kids and my wife are standing right in front of me. They had pulled up, and I had the earbuds in. The lawnmower was going, didn't hear them pull up, didn't see them pull up. But I knew in that very moment what the Lord was saying to me was, you continue to worship me like you are right now, and your family will be just fine. If you continue to pour your heart into the heavenly places, if you continue to, to bow down before me with all abandon and give you all of yourself to me, that your family will be just fine because I will watch over them. I will protect them. They're not yours to do that to. They're mine. And as I got off the lawnmower and my, my two oldest kids come running to me and they give me a hug, they have no idea what's going on in my soul and just how crushed I am, right? But then how much joy that they're bringing to me as I see them running across the yard. And as I see my wife holding our littlest one over by the, the car, just, just smiling, I'm just reminded of the goodness of God. And I just want all of you this morning, out of all the things that we've been discussing and all the things that I've been saying to you this morning, I want you to be reminded of the goodness of God. That He is for you. And as we sing this next song, I'm telling you, if you will allow it, if you will just close your eyes and picture the face of God and picture who He is and seek Him with all that you are, it will give you hope. Right? It will give you hope. I just encourage you to do that. Let's pray. God, we are uh, so thankful for all that you are. We're so thankful for the love and the mercy that you have shown us over and over again.
And I pray, God, that as we worship you through song now, after we have heard your word, I pray that your word has, has spoken to us. I pray that your word has spoken deeply to our soul. And I pray that we worship you because your word has spoken deeply to our soul, God. I pray that your, your spirit would move in a mighty way and that we would worship you with all abandon. We love you and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.